I'm Ben Jenkins, and this is Mentel, a podcast encouraging men to be themselves, their truest, most honest selves, and to feel free to open up and express themselves fully, no matter how they're feeling, and to recognize the incredible benefits of sharing and connection in doing so. We shine the light on men's mental health and the importance of maintaining mental fitness. There are so many great people doing amazing things to raise awareness of the need for change in how we approach this for blokes and helping to break down the stigma that men need to tough it out and keep their personal struggles under wraps. So let's pick up the conversation. For me, this is my passion. It's my purpose at the moment. And I'm just seeing the impact this program is having, not just on the men who have a mentor, but also on the mentor themselves. And for me, it's been an amazing journey I've learned so much from the guys that I've mentored, and I've learned so much from a number of the encounters that I, I have. And it, it's, it's shifted some of my understanding of my values, uh, so understanding of myself, and it's really broadened my horizon. So it's been, it's just been an awesome experience. Ian Westmoreland is the founder and managing director of Mentoring Men, a not-for-profit charitable organization that understands the need for connection and support for blokes during difficult and challenging times. Mentoring Men provides free mentoring programs for men in the community, regardless of their background or their beliefs. And Ian's commitment to helping men help other men is truly admirable. Ian had a 40-year career in IT before a life-changing moment had him realising he was meant for something more, which led him on the journey to build this charity that has already helped so many men. So let's get him in. Ian Westmoreland, welcome to the Mentel podcast. Uh, it's great to have you here. Firstly, I want to acknowledge the great work that you do with your organization, Mentoring Men. It's a fabulous organization, and we know all too well that suicide is the leading killer of men under 55 in this country, and we know that's due in large part to poor mental health, and it's clear that that all-too-high number of, of uh, men suffering from mental illness uh, and indeed taking their own lives must have inspired you to take action. Can you tell us a bit about Mentoring Men and, and how the organisation came about? First, Ben, thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about something I'm very passionate about. Maybe if I just give a little bit of background so people can sense where I'm coming from. So uh, I'm married. I've got uh, four kids. And we've got grandchild number 11 underway at the moment. Wow. wow. And uh, yeah. so my, my background uh, was working in IT in the utility space. And for very much of my life, there was a huge focus on making money. Early on with a young family, we, 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 were, we were struggling. So a lot of my focus was on career and just trying to climb the, the, the corporate ladder, which eventually I managed to do. And then in 2013, I started to think more and more that there's more meaning to my life than just delivering software changes and making money. And I've been meditating on this for a few months. And then on the 10th of September, 2013, I got on the train to come to work and I continued reading a, a book that my youngest daughter had given me. And I turned the page and the words just totally resonated uh, in my head. It basically it was a discussion on the meaning of life and the the author went through a series of things i just kept ticking them off it was like you know get married you know tick have kids tick get a good job and, and uh, good income tick tick he even said buy a boat i had a I had a boat 
And, and then it went on and said, hit age 59 and a half, collect retirement, travel, die. And I said, these words just sunk in. And then I thought more about that. This was the 10th of September, 2013. I was born on the 10th of March, 1954. I was 59 and a half the day I read that. Wow. Why would an author say 59 half? Why not 60, 65 or 70? Mm. And then a couple of days later, my wife and I were at the local McDonald's and she went off to talk to a couple of another table. It turned out to be a friend of the daughter who gave me the book. And I just went to say hello to her. And, and this woman's enthusiasm for life just blew me away. She and her husband were supporting a young mums group and they couldn't keep up with demand. This is basically teenage mums who are getting a lot of pressure at home. And I said, well, look, I, I've just got this sense there's more to my life than, than what I'm doing now. And from that day for a few years, my wife and I sponsored an additional day for that, you know, that young mums group. And in the conversation, this woman also mentioned mentoring and she mentioned the Raise Foundation. So a few months later, my wife and I did the uh, Raise uh, training. So Raise is a mentoring program for kids in high schools. Great program. And then I, I quit my job. I haven't had a paid job since 2014 and initially was mentoring just through RAISE. I was uh, volunteered at multiple schools. And then I became aware of another program called Kids Hope, which uh, it mentors kids in primary schools. I thought I'll, I'll do that one as well. So I, I signed up for a mentor in, in there. And then I became aware of another program called, uh, called Coach, which is into the family environment, predominantly women, but I became a coordinator for that. And then in 2018, I was mentoring a young guy at one of the Sydney high schools. And in the very first discussion we had, he shared with me that his father had committed suicide. His mum was an alcoholic who was in rehab. And he was living with his, his grandparents, which he hated. And then he just started crying. And he looked at me and he said, Ian, help me. And I mean, what can you do? Mm. And in the raised model, there is a program counsellor there that you can go and talk to one-on-one. -on -one. So after the mentoring had finished, I went and spoke to her, I guess, looking for advice. And she surprised me. She said, Ian, are you okay? And I said, yeah, I'm okay. And she asked again. And I just started crying. And I realised it was this awful situation that really there's, there's no way I can fix it. Under the raised model, the only interaction you can have is with the, the, the student at the, the school. And then for a few months, I was uh, uh, flat. And uh, it took me a while to realise I actually wanted to have a mentor myself, just like the tens of people that I'd mentored officially and unofficially. I thought, I'm going to find myself a mentor, not a business mentor, not someone who's got all this expertise. We call it a life mentor, just someone who will listen to me and just validate my thoughts and emotions. So I Googled one Saturday morning and amazed to find there was nothing along the lines of what I wanted. It was a small group of guys at Coffs Harbour, they looked like Dad's Army, um, who, uh, uh, who called mentors for men. But there was nothing else I could find. There's lots of programs for kids. I've been involved with them. There's programs for women. There's programs for families. But us men, a demographic that arguably uh, struggle as much or even more in life than the other demographics, there was no program. It amazed me that it didn't exist. So I wrote a proposal to establish what was to become Mentoring Men. In my journey, there's been a lot of things. Some people say they're coincidences. I guess I look for more meaning in them. But a couple of weeks later, I received 
an invitation from our federal MP, Julian Lisa, to come along to the, the, the local Hornsby RSL, where he was doing a joint presentation with Lifeline. And the reason I got the invitation, I've been running men's breakfast at my place for a few years and came to the, the president of the men's breakfast club or something, something like that. And I don't know why, but I took my proposal for mentoring men along to the talk. And Julian got up and spoke an incredibly moving talk. He, he talked about over 20 years ago, his father had committed suicide. He talked about how he missed the signals, how every day since then, he reflects back on that. And he was passionately supporting a new program that Lifeline um, Harbour to Hawkesbury in Sydney developed called Accidental Counselor, which is basically increasing awareness uh, of, of suicide and understanding what steps to take if you detect that someone is, is, uh, is perceived them to be suicidal. It was a great talk, but as soon as it finished, I made a beeline for him. He saw me coming. <laughs> and I said, Julian, that was great. But where was the support that could have prevented people getting to the point of, of crisis, con considering self-harm? And he got it straight away. He said, Ian, come and talk to us. So I arranged to meet him in his office, showed him the proposal that I'd written. He gave a lot of uh, constructive feedback and then agreed to sign on as ambassador. And that was it. It went from something on a piece of paper. I was now committed. And we officially launched just two years ago in November 2018. And last year, I mentioned that my life-changing moment was the 10th of September 2013. The 10th of September is also World Suicide Prevention Day, wow. another one of these coincidences. And last year, uh, Julian Lisa arranged for myself and one of our other directors to go to Canberra. And they had a breakfast to commemorate World Suicide Prevention Day. It was senior members of both sides of, of parliament there, including the prime minister. Julian who is the co-parliamentary uh, co-chair of Friends of Suicide Prevention, opened the meeting, uh, mentioned mentoring men, and then uh, arranged for us to have one-on-one -on -one sessions with senior people in the suicide prevention space on both sides of parliament. So it was a great opportunity. I guess a very long introduction, but that's, I guess, where I'm coming from. And said, for me, this is my passion. It's my purpose at the moment. And I'm just seeing the impact this program is having, not just on the men who have a mentor, but also on the mentors themselves. And for me, it's been an amazing journey. I've learned so much from the guys that I've mentored, and I've learned so much from a number of the encounters that I, I have. And it, it's, it's shifted me, uh, some of my understanding of my values, uh, so understanding of myself, and it's really broadened my horizon. So it's, been, it's just been an awesome experience. Thanks so much for sharing that story, and that's that that is an amazing story. And you know, for me, you talk about those coincidences there. I, I'm actually quite a spiritual person, and I truly believe that you know the things that you're talking about and some things that have you know, occurred for me are little taps, you know, from the universe, just tapping on the shoulder, going, "This is the direction you need you need to go in." And for you, some of those taps on the shoulder were so prominent, and they're the things that I believe, you know, really sort of help to steer us in the direction of what uh, your purpose should be. And it's evident that, you know, with the success of this, with mentor of mentoring men, that, you know, listening to those little taps on the shoulder was highly beneficial because, you know, it's taken you in a direction that is, is helping so many men already and will help, you know, so many more in the future. Ben, I relate 100% to what you're saying. I feel there's a greater purpose, but that's just 
my personal experience, people can take or leave that. But in terms of the program, there is there is no uh, difference between how we see any of the men who seek to engage in the program. And we have people from all different sorts of faiths and atheists. Uh, we have people from all different sorts of cultures. In fact, one of our focus areas at the moment is the Cal community, the culturally and linguistically diverse community. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't discriminate. Mental illness doesn't discriminate. Something you touched on before, talking about mentoring and how it is so well utilised in business and people seek out mentors all over the place to improve their business uh, acumen. And it's obvious that it's also incredibly beneficial for everyday life and managing our uh, inner world as well. And for a lot of blokes, that first recommendation they get when they're thinking that, you know, something's not right or they're feeling down or, you, you know, the, they're feeling the world's getting on top of them a little bit, that, that first recommendation uh, is that they should speak with a psychologist in most cases or a doctor. And I think that a lot of blokes struggle to take that step because they feel that they're not sick or, or worse, that they might feel weak for, for doing so. I know there's a certain generation, you know, a little bit older than me that were always like, no, I'm not sick. I'm fine. I'm fine. You know, but something like your organization, Mentoring Men, feels like it can be a real um, bridge for that gap in a positive way. Great point. I mentioned I've learned a lot from the people I mentor. Mm. I was mentoring a guy at one of the Sydney high schools once. And he said to me, you know, I see the school counsellor. And I said, yeah. He said, I'd rather talk to you than the counsellor. And that, that surprised me because uh, I'm certainly not the world's best mentor and I probably talk too much and, and all that. But I said to him, why is that? He said, well, the counsellor sees me because that's his job. That's what he's paid to do. But I know that you're a volunteer and you're here because you care about me. Yeah, wow. Uh, if you want to get uh, emotional with it, it's love. Yeah. One of the things that we've seen, virtually every, uh, I only ever mentored young guys, in virtually every case, they came from a stuffed family environment and there was no positive male role model. And just to have another bloke to validate them, to show that you care about them, mm. I think there's been probably too much focus on supporting people in crisis. Clearly, clearly we need, you know, the lifeline, Beyond Blue, the Movember, et cetera. But our model is very much prevention. Yeah. If the guy loses his job today, he can have a, a mentoring men mentor at that point. Whereas often there's no support, an addiction develops, the relationships fall apart, and then the, the point of self-harm, and that's when the crisis thing comes in. Mm. I mentioned my background is in IT, and it's far cheaper and easier to find an issue when you're working out business requirements than way down the track through design, development, testing, implementation, you're in support, and then you find it's it's far more expensive. And there's been costings done on the, the cost of a suicide, and the figures are astronomical. Mm. Uh, it, it, so, so we are all about prevention, and I think, said so the underlying issues probably in, in most cases it doesn't need professional support it just needs someone who cares yeah 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 well there's that long-held notion that men need to you know bottle up their struggles and tough it out on their own it's a, it's a big factor in the troubles that blokes are experiencing have you seen much change in these expectations of men do you think in in your observations Certainly within the, our organisation, all our mentors go through uh, our own training course, which mm. encourages vulnerability. Yeah. And we then go on and we, we have like peer circles and support groups. 
and you can just see that people, if there's something there, they'll just, they've got no reservations at all about uh, sharing that and just uh, incredibly therapeutic. If you can share something, uh, deeper emotions and know that you're not being judged, know that it's confidential, know that you can trust the person, then it's, it's, it addresses what you just talked about, Ben, this, this risk of things being, mm. being bottled up. I was talking to a guy uh, who's a political lobbyist today and he said, if, Ian, if you could get any change, what would it be? And I told him about this change the world vision that I've got and how in my lifetime, the world has been changed within Australia. And I gave him a few examples that uh, when I, I'm 66, when I grew up, we used to put stuff on our skin, believe it or not, to make it burn. Yeah. And uh, it's just insane. And I, I've just had a second melanoma removed from, from my head. Right. But nowadays, through a campaign, slip, slop, slap, none of my grandkids would ever consider going out without putting a hat on yeah. and, and sunscreen. The same thing happened around the road toll, same thing happened around smoking. Mm. So what if we could have a program, an advertising program, that encouraged men to share their vulnerability in an appropriate forum, not necessarily to the mates down the pub, but to find someone along the lines of what I said before, that they trust who's just going to listen to them and encourage them. How good would that be if people can start to share their innermost emotions? And Ben, you talked before, there's, there's this perception of what a man is that's created through ridiculous means, through advertising, through um, you know upbringing and stuff like that. And when we feel that we're not meeting up with that, there's almost this shame that's there. I, I remember as a as a kid, my dad used to, and a bunch of mates used to go camping in the stress leckies down in Victoria. And it was all about guns. And one of my dad's mates, he'd line his back with a 303 and try and shoot wedge-tailed eagles out of the sky. And I, I hated this stuff. And they would go off spotlighting, but I, as a 10 or 12-year-old, I would stay back at the camp. And I started to question, am I, am I a real man? Why, am I, I, don't, why don't I want to go out and kill stuff? And, and it's, it's this... It's those sorts of things. I mean, that's a minor example. I saw a video today of young guys, 13-year-old in America, committing suicide because they have uh, uh, realised they've got homosexual thinking of coming out. And, and it's just ridiculous pressure put on them uh, to live up to some to some model. So if, yeah, if I could change the world, that would be one of the things I'd love to see a federal government advertising campaign that just tell them it's okay you yeah you don't have to be like that yeah for me it feels like we're in that phase now where you know like we're doing here and we're having these conversations which is what our podcast is all about it's talking about men's mental health you know if 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 we can keep people talking about this and the great work you're doing with like i was saying with mentoring men and if more men can step out and start doing these things then people start to take notice and then hopefully we will get those kind of campaigns and, and those things become a priority. But at the moment, it, it still feels like there's enough shame in, you know, expressing your emotions for a lot of men. Like you said, uh, you go out shooting with a, with a couple of guys and, you know, you, were, you had the awareness enough to sit there and go, you know what, I don't like this. I don't, I don't want to do this. You were, you were authentic in yourself enough to go, I, I can't do this because I don't like it. But I think, you know, you have enough of that through a man's life where he's like, no, I need to keep this up. I need to do this because this is what it means to be a man. And that inner conflict, you know, I think, you know, can be hugely detrimental if it keeps going and, and doesn't get addressed. They're the things that cause, you know, uh, blokes to get sick. They're the things that cause, uh, that might cause a bloke to, to do something that they might regret later on. And, you know, I think 
like I said, if we can keep these conversations going and people like yourself keep up this great work and the, and the, and the uh, mentors you've got in your program, then we can have a fighting chance of, of making these shifts. There are some encouraging signs. I love AFL coming from Melbourne. And you, you look at the, the Buddy Franklin thing, you look at the Steve Smith, and there's far more recognition. I think that the, the clubs are treating these people as people, not just resources. They're treating them with respect. And, and I, I think when high-profile people come out, even James Packer at the moment, no matter what you think of him, hmm. the more high-profile people like this, I can see this campaign starting and it, it would yeah. save so many lives. It'd be one of the best things the government could do if they really, and they, they're definitely, we, we want to reduce the suicide rate. Mm-hmm. And the male suicide rate is three times that of women. And when we're going through separation, it goes up to 12 times that of women. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, there are a lot of people, a lot of, you know, high profile people who are talking about these things. There's another one that I came across, the 2020 Mentality Project, which is a lot of sports, uh, sportsmen and women uh, talking about these issues and you know we just we just have to keep it up until until um you know more and more people hear what what is being said and that it's time to take notice because the numbers of people suffering from it are are immense so unfortunately it may keep rising before people take notice so hopefully the the messages we put out there can make a difference one thing I, I was uh, going to talk about, and, and it's you know one of the possible contributing factors is that we're all suffering from a you know a bit of a lack of connection. Lots of people like to sit there and say, no, that's not the case. You know, you you point out and you see kids who are spending so much time in their phones, or not even kids, adults, you know, walking around. You only have to get on public transport and look and see that everybody's got their head buried in the phone. And some people will say, you know, these guys aren't living their life. And other people will say, well, no, their life is in that phone. But regardless, it feels to me that we've we've lost that sense of connection and they are, uh, you know, those kind of devices, phones, tablets, computers, video games, whatever it may be, are all taking us uh, into our inner world a lot more. And, you know, we not only lose connection with other people, but we also have the potential to lose connection with our own emotional selves. And that, you know, doesn't aid in us being able to uh, to talk about our feelings so much. What are your thoughts on that? There's no doubt at all that we're more lonely and isolated than we've ever been before. Mm. And in fact, there was a study done, they called it the Loneliness Report, and it, the, the, the health damage from loneliness is huge. They equated it to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Mm. Wow. There's another factor, which is physical exercise, and it also comes into what you were just talking about then, Ben. And I saw this cartoon that uh, I think really epitomized it for me. So it's a time-lapse cartoon. So the first the first picture shows what I grew up with. There's a young guy with a, a soccer ball under his arm. His mum's at the front door grabbing him by the ear, you know, mm-hmm. come inside. And it would have been, you know, we used to, look, mum would say, go out and play till the streetlights come on. Yeah. So you're out there playing with your mates, just socialising, you, and you've got to come inside. The next cartoon was current day, and there's a, a, a chunkier young guy and he's, his mum's got him by the ear again, trying to drag him out the front door to get outside and do something. Yeah. Uh, but he's holding on to his gaming console. Right. Recently, I saw a Telstra ad. You may have seen it where there's a young guy on his own on a trampoline outside. And his parents are looking out the window and feeling, oh, what could we do? And the answer to it was to go to the Telstra shop and buy him a game. Yeah. So he could sit inside and play play with his dad. And I... And I wrote saying, look, I, I just take exception to this. 
it would have been far better. What a great bonding opportunity to get out there and jump on the trampoline or whatever. Yeah. So I put this up on Facebook, and it turns out one of our mentors actually did the advertising campaign. So he produced the ad. But anyway. Right. Um, but I stand by what I said. I, I, I think physical exercise, apart from the therapeutic benefits of being fitter, um, also has a whole lot of connection stuff. You know, with your sport often is a team-type environment, mm. an opportunity to get out. Whereas sitting inside in front of the screen is generally is not that. Yeah, and also team sports are you, you know they're they're a, they're a great bonding exercise. So you know you're you're in, invariably going to be end up in in conversations and and possibly talking about you know what's going on in in life and you know what might be good or what might be bad or you know things like that. So you get those benefits from from team sports as well. Mobile phones and, and video gaming, it's it's not going to go anywhere. I think it's just how we find a balance for that and also promote the getting outside. And and like you said, and this is the same with me, when I was a kid, I would go out in the morning and come back at, at nighttime, you know, we would just knock about for the day. But that was back in the days before, you know, video games were huge. But finding some kind of balance in this modern world with that, you know, would be, would be a great thing, I think. How we do that, I don't know. <laughs> At the, again, at the training, one of the key things we talk about is self-care. So what do we do to keep ourselves balanced? Now, for me, it's undoubtedly exercise. And look, there's a lot of stress. I work very long hours mm. with mentoring men. But if I, I get out on my push bike with my wife, uh, and I just for me, it's just physical exertion. It just clears my brain or yeah. go and just swim laps. And it's going to be different things for other people. It might be music or you know, it might be out to a restaurant or bushwalk or whatever. But I think every one of us needs to work out what it is. What are the things that are important for our self-care to keep us balanced? Mm. There's two words that you mentioned right there, which are, you know, um, very passionate about myself. And my wife is is uh, very big in the self-care area. She's a self-care and development coach, recently written a book in that vein and it's all around self-care and you know I sat in one of her a group session of hers the other night and one of the key things that she you know starts with is that I deserve self-care you know it's we need to shift that notion that we deserve this this is for us it's just as important for men as it is for women that we start talking more about self-care whether that's physical exercise like myself I, I love running and that is you know I, I don't run with head, headphones or, or anything like that anymore because it's like meditation for me I get out there I focus on my breathing for you know 30 minutes to an hour and that in itself can like hugely impact my day I do that in the morning and that'll set me up for for success kind of thing but also you know those other activities that can like I was saying before help us venture into our inner world and see what's going on there and you know sort of give us a bit of an even keel mm. what i wanted to talk a little bit more about is the program and your mentors so what do you think is so, so special about your mentors in the program what, what are they bringing to blokes in need there's an amazing diversity uh in in age so we we ask our mentors to be at least 21 and we have 21 year olds there and our oldest is 86 and they come from a mixture of professional backgrounds or non-professional backgrounds, uh, all different races, cultures, nationalities, languages. This term, uh, lived experiences, you know, they mm -hmm. may have been through separation, um, um, illnesses. So this incredible broad diversity. The thing they all have in common is this genuine desire to make a positive change in the community. And there's this amazing talent pool, and these guys just want to give. So, so I guess what's 
what's special is, is, is the people themselves. There's something about volunteers in general and volunteers in mentoring men. And they've done studies on volunteers and they, they generally live longer, they're better connected, they have happier lives. And I, I think that's, again, we, we talked about maybe the spiritual side of things. I believe we're built for relationship and we're built to contribute. And that's where the, the true joy of life is. It's not in this self-centered existence. It's in the yeah. existence in helping other, other people. I've been through a number of mentor training programs. I mentioned the, the, the programs I've been involved before. I believe our training course is really effective at getting the message across, but also building camaraderie within the, the guys on the course. We do a thing called a talking circle on the last day, and, and you see that these guys have now built this trust and confidence. And in my younger years, I, I thought just about everyone had it together. But then you realise when you when these the vulnerability of these guys and uh, um, there's some amazing stuff out there, and these these guys want to use their tough experiences. I had a, a guy I, I um, interviewed for a mentor a couple of weeks ago shared with me because we do a, a national crime check. He said, "Ian, well, I, I was picked up for high range drink driving years ago. I was an alcoholic, and he's he hasn't had a drink for ten years, and he's uh, he runs a a session." And how great is that? that? That he's been through this 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 hell, hmm. and he just wants to go and help someone else going through that stuff. We've got yeah. guys, one yeah. guy's son who committed suicide. His involvement is to try and help other sons not do that. I get emotional when I think about the heart, the desire of these guys to give back, and the impact that has hmm. on the men that they're supporting. And I guess some men come into the program as men we sometimes think think we've got to fix someone we've got to fix their situation and and that's not the case with with what we talk about with mentoring and i've been asked many times what does it take to be a mentor and i say well there's, there's two things you've got to care and and you need the ability to listen and if you can do that then you can be a great mentor and you can i mean there's other techniques and things like that but it, it just comes back to those hmm. to those things yeah, and they would get a lot out of it too. Yeah, they like you were saying that you know the 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 giving back that would give them a lot back too. It's one of the most fulfilling things. I, I actually said once it was the most fulfilling thing, and my, my wife and kids got upset with me. But um, mentoring is one of the most fulfilling things you can do. Look, we're saving lives through this program, mm. but the change, the chance to save a life or even just transform a life, and we get some of the, the responses we get back from the men who've been mentored saying. You know, it was a really dark point. I've had calls this week. A guy saw a poster at a gym. He said, Ian, I'm just lonely. I just want someone that I can talk to. Another one that came through yesterday, moved from overseas to Australia, said, I just, I just can't get connected with anyone in the country. So it's those sorts of people who are at risk, and yet we can readily help address that situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Something that we touched on earlier, but um, being real and authentic and, and being an active listener are key focuses of your training. Do you think in some part we've lost touch with the art of listening uh, today? Yes. And I, mm. I'm going to put my hand up here too, Ben. Me too. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> can, I tell, can I share a funny story? So, I, again, I'm mentoring a young guy at school and he told me, look, I really like this girl, but I don't know what to do. And, and uh, you know, I just, I just, go red when I'm near and 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 he, he said you know he asked you know what I thought 
I said, well, I, I relate to that, you know, and I started telling him about my experience when I was a, a young guy and, and uh, the same sort of thing, lack of confidence. And he turned around and looked at me and he said, Ian, but we're here to talk about me, not you. And <laughs> it, just, it just cracked me up. Yeah. So I said, I'm not the world's best mentor. And, and uh, I, 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 clearly I misread that situation, but I was, I was just trying to relate to him. Yeah. But yeah, we certainly have lost the ability. We call it active listening. Mm. And, and a lot of people just uh, are listening. Uh, well, they know what they're going to say, and then they're really just waiting for the opportunity to come in and, and, and say it. So yeah. hopefully through the, our training program, we get better at it. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think a lot of us struggle with it. One thing you said there I re- resonate uh, so much with is that um, I often say things because I think it the you know me saying that is going to help create some empathy there and i'll say look i I understand what you're going through this has happened to me but really they're like but hang on like you said we're talking about me and i I can often get caught up in that but yeah just sitting there and really listening and and you know sort of trying to understand it from the other person's point of view is is so so important yeah i think sometimes people say oh i know how you feel which is which is not a good thing to say because yeah, yeah. even though the experience may have been saying you, you haven't been in their life, you don't know what their background is, so you really don't know how they feel. But uh, mm. yeah, yeah. Ian, thank you so much for speaking with me on the on the podcast today. It's been it really has been an absolute pleasure, not only to hear more about mentoring men, but to talk to you and and to hear more about your story. There's there's so many kind of parallels between uh, mine and your story, and and I really feel where you're coming from and i can sense the passion there and and it's just such an amazing thing you're doing and 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 i love it and i you know i wish you every success and and everybody involved uh with it for the future and for all the blokes who can benefit then it's been a, a great opportunity to come in and just share my passion so thank you for giving us that opportunity if any of the men listening or anyone listening wants to find out more about our program please go to mentoringmen.org.au and you'll see um more information about how we operate. Uh, everything to do with the program is free. Great. So there's no cost with any of the training, no cost for any of the men getting involved. So Excellent. Thank you so much, Ian. What an amazing bloke Ian is. I felt a real connection with him while we were talking about the journey he's on. It feels so good to hear other men talking about their passion for promoting mental fitness and emotional well-being in men. If you'd like to find out more about mentoring men, check out mentoringmen.org.au. On the next episode of Mentel, we'll speak to Andy Cullen, a 17-year veteran of the Australian Army who was deployed on various operations, including in Afghanistan. On returning home, Andy, like so many soldiers, suffered from PTSD, and he speaks candidly about his journey. I just wasn't at rest. I, I couldn't stop my mind to find peace, and, and it just wore me down. So... I only lasted in that job about six months before I had a complete mental breakdown. He and his wife have written a book helping so many couples and families navigate life with a mental health disorder, as well as having built an organisation helping veterans and first responders internationally work their way back to mental fitness after experiencing a great deal of trauma in their careers. Andy is an incredible man, father and husband, and his story will blow you away. So make sure you check it out. Speak to you all next time. Mentel is an In Your Ears podcast, presented and produced by Ben Jenkins, produced and edited by Charles Amsden, with opening music by Nick Kingswill and closing music by Night Radio. 
For more information on this and other podcasts, check out the Inerius Podcasts Facebook page. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and spread the word. And if you or anyone you know needs help, call Lifeline on 13 11 14.